Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. This is with the first pick the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 92. Shout out Reggie White. Let's not complicate things with me getting the numbers wrong. Reggie White is our honorary member of the with the first big club because episode 92 i'm ryan wilson that of course is rick spielman and today rookie report cards on the offensive side of the ball rick all 15 first round picks and next thursday if you haven't figured it out yet we'll do the defensive side of the ball the first rounders uh but today it's going to be the offensive guys we'll go position by position see who's been balling out and who has some work to do at least through the first two months of the season but first things first it's getting closer, not the NFL draft, but under 100 days, which is bad news for Ryan Wilson as it pertains to Rick Spielman's attitude towards me. Uh, you can see behind me there, if you're watching on it, on YouTube, NFL CBS, the official with the first pick draft countdown board. And Rick, why don't you give us both numbers for people who are listening? Could we not say that that's the official? Because could we just say you went to the store and bought that board because no one will give us money to put up a, a legitimate digital board? It's our, our officially terrible board because Debo won't go into his piggy bank and, and give us uh, what we deserve. Well, off our officially terrible board, we have 182 days left until the 2024 NFL draft and 82 days before I can actually not be as nice to Ryan Wilson as, as I have been through this whole fall season. I thought you were going to say you could tell Ryan exactly what you think about him. You don't have to be as nice. As nice is the nice way to put it. Yeah, I know, but you have the people behind you. I somehow I do. Yeah, right. I'm somehow the villain of this uh, podcast here. <laughs> That's true. Uh, by the way, quickly, uh, Halloween's in a few days. Are you a Halloween guy? Uh, no. Speaking of I villains. I say I was, but I never was around. I was always at the office on Halloween. What about in high school and stuff? Did you get into it then? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be surprised to learn that our buddy Pete Prisco is a huge Halloween guy, and he likes dressing up. So, um, what's he dress up as? SpongeBob or what? What's he? SpongeBob. That's a good one. I was going to say this year he's going to go as Will Levis. Oh yeah, that'll be so, interesting. I know he is very nervous and excited about his number one overall quarterback and the quarterback that should have been the number one overall pick. Will Levis will start for the Tennessee Titans this weekend. Can't wait. And we'll probably be talking about him on Popper Drop next week, or at least the, oh, the rookie version yeah, of that. One up there. <laughs> yeah, before we get through the Popper Drop, we should do the rookies report first. Yeah. All right, Debo, rearrange the rundown so we can focus on 
future Hall of Famer Will Levis. Speaking of future Hall of Famers, by the way, and I'm laughing because Debo and the social media team have put Rick on on blast, as the kids said 15 years ago, on social media. Because uh, on Tuesday, we did our regular old pop or drop episode. And Rick and I talked Penn State, Ohio State. And Rick, he's already inducted Marvin Harrison Jr. to the Hall of Fame. And that's, of course, what they clipped and put on social media. And Debo, how are the responses on, on that clip? Better than Caleb Williams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Debo and the social team also clipped Rick saying that uh, he would take Caleb over Peyton Manning and Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow and everyone except probably Andrew Luck. And um, that went about as well as you thought it would go uh, on social media. I don't think you're wrong, but people don't care what we think, Rick. They just like to be angry about stuff. So thank you for providing them that fodder. My, I am a self-esteem builder on this program, <laughs> not only for you, not only for Debo, but for the peoples out there to give them something to talk about when they go up and get their coffee in the morning. Can you believe what that arsehole Rick's <laughs> Debo might have you to learn. If you want to learn new words that kids are saying these days, just go to the comment section on that video. <laughs> It'll be very educational. Yeah, I don't know. I, like I, I always say, as the kids are saying, and I, I always qualify that by my 12-year-old says, no one says that anymore. So I, I need, I'll have to go check out the comments so I can be up to speed on what the... Yeah, just so my educational background on social media, I was still trying to figure out five years ago when people were sending me uh, letters and I didn't understand what the heck, like WTF. I didn't know what that, what were you saying? Is that a compliment? And someone finally told me. It is a compliment for you, Ray. <laughs> uh, did you, when you say letters, you mean like using initials or you actually got letters in the mail when you. No, were the not letters, you know, like someone responds to you, WTF. Yeah. Or, yeah. All right. Like I, I Maybe we'll that. have a whole show of, of giving you initials and seeing how many of those you can recognize. I, I was horrible at that. I had no idea what anyone was telling <laughs> me. I thought it was, I put all is like it was boy very positive that they send me uh, the letters. And yeah. then I spent like forty five minutes trying to go through what these letters actually mean, and to no avail. I could not come up with what they actually meant when I asked someone. Yeah. Again, but if you I had. Around- Back then. Exactly. So peoples were able to uh, tell me what the meanings of the letters meant. I wonder how many, how often they just told you something positive when in fact it was something probably not positive. Yeah. They, they, that was their job. To- <laughs> yeah. That's Debo's job. He's, he's not as good at it as your other people's. <laughs> he, he, he gives it to you straight. Uh, all right. So, of course, you can check out the old Tuesday episode if you want to hear Marvin Harrison's uh, ascent into the Hall of Fame. We also talked Tennessee, Alabama, Joe Milton's best game of the season, and that loaded Alabama team. Rick went through a ton of prospects there. And, of course, to finish things up with our top five rookie performances, including Bears quarterback Tyson Bagent, all that in the podcast feed. And remember, Leave us a whole five-star review on Apple Podcasts, nominate an FBS or FCS college player, and we'll evaluate that prospect in an upcoming show. Uh, the cupboard's a little bare there. We only have a few names left, I think, so get them in, and we'll do them uh, soonish. Finally, take a second, hit the thumbs up on YouTube, NFL, and CBS. Help spread the word about the show. All right, let's do it, Rick. We're doing Rookie oh, Report Card. Started. Yeah, now that you've said that next Thursday – we're going to do a report card on the defensive side of the ball Yeah, for these rookies. Um, will it be the same homework assignment? And will Debo please lay it out according to how he actually wants it done? I thought he did a pretty good job with the offensive side of the ball. Did, did you agree or no? 
I did. And, oh. and I, got, I got my homework assignment in early. I there think I go. got bonus points. So I'm trying to become Debo's favorite on his podcast to no avail. But I did get a compliment that I got my work done early. There you go. Of course, I left. Uh, I have to go through up the rundown. I left the. Uh, I, print, I print out things like uh, I'm an old person. Can I, can I ask Debo one quick question before we get started? Of course, started? you can, Rick. Okay. Are the Philadelphia Philly fans just as nice as the Philadelphia? <laughs> <laughs> no, no response. <laughs> so I'm I'm so far removed from baseball. Did, were the Phillies in the playoffs one, and did they just lose number two? Uh, yeah, it wasn't a good outing for them. Uh, is that is their series over? They're done. Yes. Oh, okay. I've heard the are you a, are going to the World Series. Are you a baseball guy? Like, do you follow the Phillies closely, Debo? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry about That's that. That's why it's kind of quiet. Sixers tonight. Eagles are six and one. We're we're good. Jeez, every every Philly person I've talked to said the exact same thing. Well, the Eagles are six and one, and they uh, are rolling right now. They are. Rolling. I look forward to something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. don't worry about everything the Phillies accomplished this year. They it might have went went should have went oh and one hundred and eighty two, whatever the hell they play. One sixty two. I know that for Philly fans. All right, well, Debo, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm glad you have Rick's favorite player on planet Earth, Jalen Hurts, and the Eagles to look forward to. All right, Rick, going through the rookie offensive side, the first round picks. We could have expanded this to all rookies, but as you told Debo in no uncertain terms, you are tired of talking about Puka Nakua fifth-round pick, so he was not allowed to be in this conversation, unfortunately. <laughs> That's not true. Puka would be number one, but we're just doing the, the rookie first-rounders. First up... I'll just say one thing, so we'll probably talk about Puka next week, too, like we do every week on the show. <laughs> on the He's good. He's good, but the Dallas Cowboys play a lot of man coverage, and I will be interested to see if he has the same production, if the Cowboys and Dan Quinn come up with a plan, which I give him credit, if a defensive coordinator has to start worrying about a rookie receiver and having them not beat you, then uh, I, I'm anxious to see what Dan Quinn does. And if he does play a lot of man coverage on uh, the uh, infamous Puka Nakua. Puka Spielman. Let me ask you this quickly. We'll make it short so we can get into this. But um, Mike Zimmer was known for being something of a defensive savant. How would he approach stopping Puka Nakua? Because here's the thing. You can stop Puka, but then you have Cooper Cup. And something that hasn't happened since Cooper has returned, they haven't both had good games in the same game. Either one gets all the targets or the other one does. Yeah, no. And, and everybody knows Cooper Cup and what he does. But I think uh, last week he only had two targets or two catches. Two catches, so, two drops. And two drops. So, um, but I almost want to make sure that Puka Nakua, I can't believe I'm saying this, doesn't beat us before Cooper Cup does. Oh, clip that, Devo. We got another one. You're crushing it, Rick. <laughs> so you think Zimmer, I mean, you can't speak for Zimmer, but just knowing him as well as you do, you think that would be his concern at this point in the process, maybe? I just think the way he's been playing and the way he's uh, – the production he has had right now, that's the main offensive weapon. Would you not agree? Yes, easily. Right. So how do we take that weapon away? And do you say, okay, we're going to take, okay, I'm, I'm trying to say this with a straight face. We're going to take Puka Nakua away, a fifth round pick out of BYU that didn't show up much at the senior bowl. That's having a phenomenal career so far. And let's see if we can handle him 
and take our chances with Cooper Cup. Love it. Love it. I love that you're having to moonwalk back on your Puka Nakua takes. I do not crawl that. <laughs> Everybody in the draft room, when all of a sudden you get challenged, they start crawl dadding back. You know those crawl dads. They start walking backwards with the pinchers out. I you you own it. <laughs> I give you credit for that. Fair enough. All right. I love it. Got to find a way to stop Puka Nakua. We think Cooper Cup's terrible. Rick Spielman said it here. <laughs> all right. Rookie report cards, offensive side. We've got to start with the old quarterbacks. And we've talked to these quarterbacks every single week because that's what we do on this show. Neither Bryce nor uh, CJ played last week because they are on their bye. They will face off against one another this week, and we'll be talking about that on Tuesday, no doubt. And uh, Rick, I'll just go with the grades, and then you can um, you can give me your your two cents first. So, Rick, you gave Bryce Young a B. I gave Bryce a C plus, and um, <clears throat> I don't want to speak for you. Said in the instructions. A, B, C, D, there's no E, and F. Yeah. He didn't say plus or minuses. Oh, my God. So, please, to... you stick to the program. No. One single grade. A to... <laughs> you know how long it would take? I'm going to... I broke my TV the other night with the, the Phillies. I'm going to break my computer right now. <laughs> Listen, Rick, Debo's on the edge about that more so than I realized with this Phillies thing. Baby steps. You got to kick gloves around Debo today. <laughs> he would get carpal tunnel if he had to write out every single thing to be exactly as specific as you need him to be. Yeah. Well, just be specific in the instructions. You didn't say plus or minuses. So I'm going from what the thing said, A, B, C, D, F. Well, we'll let you change on the fly if you so desire. No, so, no I'm not changing. I'm not crawdad. I'm going to stick. Okay, you're not crawdad. All right. B and C plus. Go ahead and tell me why. You are a fence guy. What'd you say? Take take away the uh, liberties you took of putting plus or minus on these grades. <laughs> okay, I'll give them a C then. That's fine. B and C, go. let's go. Okay. So good. B seems sort of rich for me based on how Bryce has played. But go ahead. <laughs> uh, if you're listening, I will let you know that Debo furiously went to Wikipedia and uh, explained to explain to Rick that grades A through F in the United States numerical and letter grades, and they are typically awarded A through F. And in between there, a lot of pluses and minuses. So, Rick, that was supposed to be taken. There's not an F plus and an F minus. Why does it just stop at F? Why can't that have pluses and minuses? You really want Debo to bring his computer. Keep your plus minuses, Ryan. That that adds like the right context we need. <laughs> I love how Rick is trying to win over Debo, and then he gets after him about pluses or minuses every week. All right, B and C plus, Rick. How is that? It feels a little rich for me, given how CJ's uh, excuse me, Bryce has played so far. Yeah, well, I'm going to go with I see an improvement every week. Yeah, he played the best against Miami, especially in the first half. I'm going that he doesn't have great protection up front. He has one receiver right now, and that's Adam Thielen. No one else is contributing. And he is working with a lot less around him from a skill position standpoint. Miles Sanders hasn't done much. Um you know, DJ Chark is hurt every other week like he's always has. Hayden Hurst hasn't done much to help him. So I think that with he is what he is working with right now, um, that I gave him a B because I've seen improvements. And the other thing I'm anxious to see, both of them coming off the bye week, is that now Thomas Brown, the offensive coordinator, is taking over the play calling duties from Frank Wright. So it'll be interesting to see if it is different or does this help or hinder Bryce Young's development? By the way, as I'm looking through these grades, 
Rick did, in fact, give some minuses to some of these players. No, the minuses are dashes. <laughs> my bad. I misread that. All right. I do a dash to make my point. <laughs> you're crazy. All right. So I get what you're saying. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. And I'm looking at the numbers, sort of the advanced metrics numbers through True Media, because I finally figured out how to use that, comparing Bryson and uh, CJ. So Bryce, in terms of um, 10-yard completions, he has 29. 20 or more yard completion, 20 yards or more, he only has seven. And when you compare that to sort of what CJ's done, and we know that CJ's had a better start the season, no doubt about it, 44 for 10-plus yard completions. Then you get 25 for 20-plus yards. So he's pushing the ball more down the field. Now, look, the easy math says when you're better protected and you have guys that can catch the ball more consistently, it's a little easier. No, that's not what the metrics say. All right, what are you saying? The metric says the play calling has been a little bit more conservative because they want to keep Bryce Young upright and try to get the ball out of his hands. And that C.J. Stroud has Nico Collins, who can stretch the field, and has become a really very good receiver and a big play receiver down the field. And Tank Dell, when he's healthy, has been able to stretch the field as well. So not only is he getting protection, but the play calls are going downfield. And I'm not taking anything away from CJ because he still has to execute the plays that are called. And he's been excellent with his deep ball accuracy, but we've seen that when he came out of college. So, but they are giving him more opportunities to throw down the field. I don't know if your true media thing says how many attempts by each one, but I do, I would guess and my, that, Houston and C.J. Stroud are having more opportunities to throw the ball down the field than Bryce Young is. And they also have better weapons around him, including Dalton Schultz, who's uh, done very well for them to give them another vertical threat down the field. So you got to look at all the different angles besides just your numbers there. No, I get that. But I would I would push back and say that Nico Collins was doing absolutely nothing until this year. Well, I didn't have a quarterback to get him the ball either. Well, right. Fair enough. And Dalton Schultz. Yeah, that was another Pete Prisco's. I think he was a uh, Davis Mills fan. Yeah, no, that's true. And Dalton Schultz started slow, and he has certainly picked things up. They were hoping for that with Hayden Hurst in Carolina. That hasn't yet worked out. And you mentioned all the other wide receivers who have yet to step up outside of Adam Thielen. So I gave CJ an A plus. You gave CJ an A because you didn't know about the plus minus system that is uh, pervasive in United States education, but that's okay. <laughs> you, I think we both agree. Let me put it to you this way: A plus for me, C plus for uh, A plus for CJ, C plus for Bryce for me. I think the gap over the first month and a half, two months, has been that wide, but I don't think it's necessarily going to stay that wide. Do you think it's closer, or do you think it's been? No, I would agree with you. There is okay. a gap there. But, okay. you know, when you do the fence grades that you're doing, use, utilizing the plus and minus system <laughs> that was not stated specifically in the instructions on grading these people, um, then <laughs> that, that, yeah, I can see the significant difference in the two with your grades. Well, you still gave him a B. I did because of the progress that I've seen. Yeah. And just so you know, going forward for the rest of the time on this podcast, we will be utilizing the plus minus system whenever grades I won't. It says directly in the instructions. That I will. Says. All right. And uh, Anthony Richardson, just for completeness, um, 
Incidentally, we're going to give him an incomplete because he's been injured. He played only a handful of games, had the shoulder injury, had the season-ending shoulder surgery. He was incredibly fun to watch when he was healthy. And the actual injury felt like a freak accident. The injuries prior to that, some of that was on on him, I think, in terms of not being as careful, uh, taking care of himself. And, you know, we talked about it when he got hurt. The, that same game, he did slide earlier in the game to try to avoid injury, and then he, he fell awkwardly in his shoulder. But while you're incredibly upset about it. He got nailed and fell on his shoulder because it was a designated quarterback run. Yeah, well, that's the other. But you knew that that was going to be part of the offense, so that's not a surprise, right? No, that's not a surprise, but yeah. he, didn't, he didn't try to slide and fall awkwardly. Not on that play. The play, There was a, a play before that, a quarterback run in which he slid in that game, and he actually, you actually commented on the previous podcast that at least it seems like he was getting the message. Yes. But what, while you're frustrated about him being out, I would imagine you feel pretty good as a general manager and head coach about the long-term prospects based on what you've seen? Yes. Nope. Yep. All right, so best wishes to him. Get back healthy. Start playing because you were a lot of fun to watch. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll hit uh, the wide receivers and running backs and go from there right after this. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, Rick, let's hit these running backs. Uh, excuse me, these quarter uh, wide receivers. I'll get there eventually. Oh, rattled already, and we still got to go yet. You got me rattled with this. Uh, Plus minus system. Yeah. So we're going to go in the order in which these players were selected uh, on actual draft night. So first up, Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's wide receiver one, taking 20th overall. There's a run on four straight wide receivers drafted after uh, once Jackson was the first to go off the board. Of course, he went to Seattle. Um, I gave him a C, and you gave him a B. And my not real issue, just in terms of going back and watching him, he's had 32 targets so far this season. He's had a weird amount of focus drops for Jackson yes. Smith and Jigba. Um, I would like, and a lot of the stuff they've thrown to him is just underneath getting the ball in his hands. And he hasn't necessarily had a lot of yak uh, yards up to catch opportunity because he's been thrown to in uh, traffic heavy situations, if you will. He did have the, 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 the touchdown catch uh, on the post. I think that was against the Bengals and that's more what you'd like to see, but I think they're trying to find a way to get him involved in the offense. And the only reason I gave him a C not because I'm upset and I think he's going to be a bust just because of the focus drops and he hasn't been quite as involved in the offense yet. Yeah, no. And, and they're trying to get him involved in the offense, trying to get him a ball. The one thing I did see, uh, I probably would have left him at a C the first couple of weeks or first three or four weeks of the season. But I thought the last two weeks, he's really starting to hit his stride a little yeah. bit. And sometimes these rookies take time. So I'm projected him and gave him, the benefit of the doubt, the way he has really started to come on the last couple of weeks. No, I agree with that completely. And I think he's going to be fine at the end of the day. It's just a matter of, and in your experience, it feels like it's maybe gotten a little easier in the last six, seven, eight years, maybe a little less than that, but typically it's the transition for wide receivers can be tough sometimes, right? It can. Um, but I think it depends on the receiver too. So, and you got to remember this kid didn't play a full year at That's Ohio true. State and didn't play in any all-star games, had a really good workout. So you have to go all the way back to the Rose Bowl, I believe, against Utah 
was the last time he had any significant play time. So he's getting his feet wet again, if you want to say that, or he's getting his feet underneath him. And now you're starting to see him, what, you, what he showed when he was playing at the collegiate level. But you're not taking into account that this kid missed a whole year of football before he came into the draft. Yeah, no, that's a good point because we talked to CJ and Garrett both in the pre-draft process, and both of them said on that 2021 team that um, Jackson Smith and Jigba was was the best receiver. Yeah, and that was with Olave, and of course Marvin Harrison Jr. was a, a two years younger. But uh, that's that's noteworthy in and of itself. All right, the next wide receiver drafted, wide receiver two, 21st overall, Quentin Johnston out of TCU, and he's he's had a rough go of it. I gave him a C minus. You gave him a C dash. I don't know what that means exactly, but because there's no pluses. That's just dashes mean that, okay, I'm going, I have a statement after the C. Oh, I just see. To be clear, just to be clear, he put the, the dashes in the same color as the grade and then switched to red text for the explanation. So that makes no sense. <laughs> Diva is in no mood. The, my finger dexterity trying to get that little dash in red was very <laughs> difficult. And I finally just gave up on it. I love that he actually has a, 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 a what I believe to be a legitimate explanation, but it is. I couldn't get over there because then the gray <laughs> turned red, and then it's like it's just a mess, and I'm wasting time. And it's just, yeah, D- Devo takes solace in knowing that he spent 20 minutes trying to get the red dash in there, and he just couldn't do it. <laughs> All right, so C dash for Quentin Johnson from Rick, C minus for me. He's had a tough go of it. He hasn't been used a lot, and after Mike Williams went down, I thought maybe we try to see they try to get him more involved, and and I think. If I had to guess, he's probably struggling to, to pick up the offense, maybe. And um, he had a – oh, man, he dropped an, a, a, a back shoulder fade in the end zone against Tennessee uh, early in the season, week two, I believe it was, that he felt like one of those plays that can sometimes jumpstart a, a season that's not gotten off to a great start. So hopefully he picks things up, but they it hasn't quite worked out yet for him. No, I think uh, he had 14 targets and only seven catches to date. And Joshua Palmer seems to be the guy that's stepping up to – replace uh what they lost in Williams so uh and then they got you know Keenan Allen as well but when I watched him he was the one that didn't look as natural as he looked in college and to me from my experiences seeing rookies trying to adjust to the NFL he is thinking too much whether that's understanding okay they make this big long play call in the huddle and okay if I have to make this adjustment. If I see this coverage, if it's man coverage, I'm going to take off. If it's zone coverage, I'm going to settle and run a hitch route. He just looks like he's thinking and just not out there playing with his natural instincts and his natural ability. And hopefully, as time goes along, that he'll become more comfortable and does not have to think as much as it looks like he's trying to think right now instead of just going out and playing. What are those conversations like when, as a staff, when you're meeting about these players? And what are the conversations like when you're interviewing these players to get a sense of what the oh, jump is going to be? How are you going to identify that till they get out there and actually start? Yeah, playing. but you know how TCU's offense is run and you know how your offense is run. So you can sort of fill in the gaps. That's, that's hard in an interview because uh-huh. you don't know till they get out there. But you can see him, like I said, he's almost like playing by the numbers. Yeah. And trying to draw and color within the boundaries. Right. Uh, instead of just going out there and playing uninhibited, if right. that would be a, a, a word we can use. No, that's the exact right word. That's right. I, I think of it sort of 
And just bear with me here. Oh, my God. Oh, wait. Uh, 82 days. I'm sorry. I am really going to respect <laughs> with me right here what you're going to say. It's like when uh, old or young, doesn't matter. But when someone's learning to play the guitar, for example, as a musical instrument, and you're in year one and you're doing everything by the book, you're, you're following the, the exact note when it's supposed to be played. And when you've been playing the guitar for 30 years and you're in the Rolling Stones or whatever, you know what you're doing. Like you don't need any sort of you're just free flowing. You understand sort of innately how this thing works. And there you go. I knew Rick would love that one, Devo. Thank you, Rick. But just so you know, I got kicked out of music class as quickly as I got kicked out of French class. <laughs> but you you describe yourself something as a uh, as a creative. Savant. Is that what you? So, well, I was gonna say creative savant. If you want to use savant, you use savant. But you like uh, you appreciate uh, art and such. I have, yeah, I'm very artistic underneath this rough exterior. Yeah, thing. rough is gruff, rough, whatever you like to use. All right, next up in. You know, this is right in uh, Rick's wheelhouse, Debo, and you can relate to this. I'm going to kick you while you're down. Um, Jalen Rager or Justin Jefferson? And, you know, Justin Jefferson ended up being the last wide receiver taken in that draft class, and the Eagles went with, with uh, Jalen Rager. Of course, it worked out for Philadelphia, but in the moment, it was frustrating for some. And you wonder, where would the Chargers be if they had taken Zay Flowers or Jordan Addison, the two players drafted right after him? And, you know, you can't – no time machines here, but that's something I'm sure that – fans of those teams have thought about, but Zay Flowers is the next wide receiver taken, 22nd overall. He's been a revelation in Baltimore because they have historically struggled to find these wide receivers, especially in the first round. They've signed and had success, Steve Smith, Derek Mason, Anquan Bolden, um, but this guy feels like a difference maker, and I gave him a B plus. You gave him an A, and the only reason I gave him a B plus because of the guy we're going to talk about next. I want to differentiate them a little bit, but Zay Flowers has been special so far, Rick. Well, you could have gave him an A minus and the other guy an A. You don't use minuses or pluses, so you can't tell I me. I don't, but you could have. So you left him in a category below. So you undergraded him. <laughs> okay. Well, you gave him an A and the same grade as the, the next young man we'll talk about. But uh, so where are you on say? He did have the drop game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but everyone on that team refused to catch the ball that yeah, game. Yeah, 22 drops that game. But, <laughs> but if you take that out of the equation, because I just, that's just one of those games where everyone decided not to show up, whatever, except for Lamar. Right. Every every other snap, he has been, it feels like, on point. Yeah, no, he's been a difference maker for them on offense. I think him and Lamar have really developed a relationship. Lamar's starting to understand the type of routes he runs. Lamar does a great job putting the ball out in front of him so he gets an opportunity to run with the ball after the catch. Uh, very quick twitched, uh, even though he's not a strong runner after the catch. He can make people miss. Uh, so catching the ball very consistently, except for that Pittsburgh game. And he is right now at the receiver position, even though they have OBJ and a couple other guys, Bateman and some other guys, this is the number one option for them at the receiver position right now. Yeah. Bateman, they have Aguilar, who I think was a first round pick too, back in the day, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they, uh, you mentioned Odell. They have a, <laughs> they have a ton of first round picks at the position, but Zay is, is, Maybe Mark Andrews is still the legit number one, but I think that, that Zay is 1A if he is not already one. All right, next up, Jordan Addison, the fourth wide receiver taken uh, in this group, 23rd overall, went to the Vikings. And you talked a moment ago um, about Bryce getting better as the season progressed. Jordan has gotten better, and he had a lot to do with that team's win uh, last, uh, whenever that was, Monday night on San, against San Francisco with Justin Jefferson on the sidelines with the hamstring. 
So he became the de facto number one. He played like the de facto number one. We talked on the last podcast about how in the first throw, he wasn't strong enough at the top of the route to outmuscle Traverius Ward for the interception, came back in the second quarter and did exactly that, and then sort of took over the game down the stretch. Yeah, no, and he's showing – It'll be interesting to see, and not that we're going to go down a different rabbit hole, hole on this podcast, but all of a sudden, imagine what the Vikings offense is going to look like when Justin Jefferson does come back. And maybe two weeks ago, they were going to be potential sellers Yeah, at the trade deadline coming up next Tuesday, but now they may be buyers. Uh, and some guys they were thinking about potentially trading all of a sudden, I think they've won three out of the last four games, and the games that they've lost were because they gave the game away with turnovers, not because they were physically just getting beat up except that Philly game. Debo, that'll make you feel better. They ran <laughs> down the field on them like a track meet. Um, but now that you have Hawkinson, that you have Jefferson when he comes back, when he's eligible in a couple weeks, I believe, and now you know what Addison can do, uh, they potentially could have one of the best duels since we had Jefferson and Thielen at the receiver position. Absolutely. So we both gave Jordan Addison an A, and uh, he is – him a B-plus. I didn't. Oh, you give Addison an A? Yeah. Okay. Get no, an A, B-plus to differentiate him from, from – they're both they're both great. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. But I wanted to give Je- uh, Jordan um, a little nudge above because of the way he's played down the stretch here. All right. Running backs, we were living in a world where two running backs were were drafted in the first round. Number seven over, uh, excuse me, number eight overall, number seven on your scorecard, Bijan. I gave him an A, you gave him an A as well. And uh, I'll throw Jameer in here. We can talk about him as well. Jameer Gibbs went 12th overall, four picks later to the Lions. You gave him a B, I gave him a B minus. And part of that's the minus has something to do with the fact that he wasn't being used as often. That's not necessarily his fault. He also had an injury. Um, that's not his fault either, but he just wasn't playing as frequently as Bijan, and that's why I, I docked him a little bit. Yeah, well, that's a wrong way to document. Oh, wait. <laughs> I can understand that, Brian. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand where you're I coming from. I understand where you're coming from. I gave him a B if you read my notes. Clearly. I just said B. For opportunities that he's been getting, and I understand oh. he had the hamstring that inhibited him from playing the last couple of weeks, but then – Montgomery was out. They gave him. He was the only one that played worth a crap. Against <laughs> That's true. Uh, That's true. And you've seen the electric speed he has. I believe he had nine catches that game out of the backfield. Yep. And I gave him an A when he does have the ball in his hands, B because he's had limited opportunities. A little uh, fun fact here. I'm going to go back to True Media here, so feel free to grit your teeth and disagree with me if you want. But uh, – Bijan versus eight-man boxes is averaging five yards a carry, which is pretty impressive because they're stacking the box against him and making him and making him work for it, and he's getting there. Jameer is one point eight yards per carry, and that's no slide against Jameer. That's just um, he's not he's a different type of running back. He he's a I don't know if he's more dynamic, but he can do things in space that very few other people can. Let me ask you that: Is he more dynamic than Bijan? Because I'm not sure he is. No, Bijan's a dynamic playmaker. Yeah. Uh, because he can do so many different things. Where you see Gibbs excels in the passing game, yeah. the Bijan doesn't. But also, when he has space, when you see him run his first touchdown, there was no one to put a hand on him on that sweep to the left. And yep. we talked a little bit about it in the last podcast. 
his speed, I don't know if it's the same as A-Chan's, but similar type when you it's get close. into space. Yeah. He's an explosive playmaker. And by the way, on third and fourth and one situations, um, Jameer's converting 100% of the time, and B. John's converting two-thirds of the time, which is also very good. All right, we're going to take another break, and then we come back. We're going to hit the tight ends and the offensive linemen. We're moving right through this thing, Rick. Awesome. (laughs) All right, let's go to the tight end singular. There was only one draft in the first round. Could have been a a handful. I mean, Sam Laporta could have been on this list, too. He went in round two, and he's had a better season to date than Dalton Kincaid, who went 25th overall to uh, the Bills. Dalton's going to get a lot more opportunities now. Dawson Knox is out for a bit with a wrist. And he had his coming out game of sorts and a loss to the Patriots, which is another conversation. Um, really good outing last week where he was one of, if not the primary target for Josh Allen. You gave him an A for the first month and a half of the season. I gave him a B, but only because he hasn't really been used as often as perhaps um, he wanted. I don't know. But my, my point is that he could have had more opportunities to, to go from a B to A to me. Why'd you give him an A? I gave him an A because when he does get his opportunities, he capitalizes on his opportunities. That's true. So I'm not going to downgrade him because he didn't have as many opportunities as Laporta. And, you know, I'm a huge Laporta fan. But when this kid, they do throw him the ball, he's caught everything. I don't think in the tapes I watched that he had a drop. He's athletic to get it upfield after the catch. And the thing that really stood out to me a little bit, more than I was anticipating was that when he does block, he is a more effective blocker than I thought he was going to be. He may get overmatched and overpowered like most tight ends, but he's not afraid to put his face in the uh, (laughs) defender's chest and try to finish and uh, help in the run game. So I gave him an A not only because of his opportunities that he takes advantage of in a passing game, but he's willing to do the dirty work that that was some question when he came out of uh, Utah last year. Yeah, 100%. We talked about that a lot, especially when we talked to the tight ends of the Combine. One of the takeaways, and we probably asked uh, Dalton this, I don't remember what he said, but just probably about improving as a blocker. I think Dalton and Michael Mayer both answered the question that they were asked to sing in one of their Combine interviews, and we later found out it was the Chicago Bears making players sing, and that's a whole nother story, but um, yeah, he has been a, a much better blocker. And just for your your own personal satisfaction, Rick, the Lions are targeting Sam Laporta on twenty percent of their throws, which is pretty Im- remarkable. Uh, Dalton's been targeted eleven percent of the time. Um, he's had fewer, much much fewer reps, by the way. Three seventy seven for Sam, only two thirty for Dalton. Um, so he he's being featured when he's out there, perhaps more than I gave him credit for, and. I don't hate your A. I get it. I just gave him a B because he's not been out there as frequently as someone like like Sam Laporta. But and that's and you're punishing him for that. I'm punishing him for that. I'm that kind of that's the kind of dad I am. <laughs> I'm punishing you for that. <laughs> now go cut the grass, and I don't want to hear a word. Yeah, but Dad, my my bike it, the the chain broke. I don't care. You broke your bike. <laughs> oh, I don't care about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, learn how to fix the chain. Yeah. A no, good musician going back to music never blames his instrument, Rick. Or a golfer never blames the club. Never blames the cu- clubs. Or he does blame the clubs. Never blames the swing. Oh, is that what it is? Is that where, is that where you're at now? All right. Offensive lineman. And we had five of, go, of them go in the first round. going to be interesting to see how many go in the first round in 2024. We'll talk about that certainly in the coming weeks and months. The first 
offensive lineman taken. Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State. OT1, six overall. He has played right tackle uh, for Arizona. At Ohio State, he played right guard. Then he moved to left tackle his final year there. Um, Rick has talked at length about how he helped himself at his pro day, Paris Johnson Jr. And we talked about him a few weeks ago. He got up to a strong start. And here's the thing. I'll just read you the stats. He has given up two sacks. I went back and watched those sacks. One was his fault. One wasn't. One was against uh, Boya Mafe, and Boya beat him pretty good. The other one was against Micah Parsons, and he sort of split the, the right guard and right tackle. And I'm not sure exactly Paris deserved all the blame. But he has given up uh, four hits, 13 pressures, uh, 13 hurries, 17 pressures. And he's been beaten 7.8% of the time, which ranks near the bottom on the rookies. I think he's hung in there. I gave an A minus, despite those numbers. Sorry, Rick gave. I I apologize. That's okay. I'm fine with that. And Rick gave him a C. And I know it hasn't been pretty at times, but I think he's not. He's not a punter. Like you know, you go there and kick the ball. He's got to go up against some of the best players on the other team every single week. And I think he's holding his own. And that's a great comparison using a punter and an offensive tackle. I still, I'll figure that out after the show. The that, punter, the, well, here's the thing: the punter is going against himself. He just catches the ball and kicks the ball. If you're playing right tackle, you're going up against Micah Parsons. You're going up against. They played Washington early on. You're going up against all those guys: Montez Sweat, Chase Young. You're, there's no competition if you're a punter other than yourself and your, you know, your your mental state of the moment that you're kicking the football. That's uh, my. That, that that's a, a great a different <laughs> point of view, Ryan, but. I hey, Rick, can I just remind you that I still have 82 days? I, I'm trying. I really am. <laughs> I am I am counting to 10 right now. Well, let me, let me refresh your memory. You were, when we talked in the preseason, you thought Paris got off to a good start. And then when we talked a few weeks ago, you thought Paris was doing okay, and you've gone all the way down to a C. So has it been that bad recently? I think the effort and energy that he plays with is an A. Yeah. I think that the strength, lack of strength in the run game does show up some because he plays with a high pad level. Not that he's not given effort to try to finish, but he's struggling versus strength at the point and cutting off the backside because of his pad level. I think he's gotten worse in pass protection. I think that his technique has gotten worse. And I think he just needs to get back focused on how he was playing maybe during the preseason going against the Ryan Wilsons of the world that are no longer in the NFL. <laughs> right. And when you're playing against real dudes, like he's been playing against uh, to get back and trust the technique that's being taught because what you do in college, and we're going to talk about it with another young lad coming up here, <laughs> fine young man, if I may say so myself, young lad, I like that, uh, that he just needs to uh, settle down a little bit. So I think, Pressing the more he str- he struggles. Well, let me ask you about that part of it because he's in the in the thick of it, and it's sort of hard to reset when you're fighting for your life every single play. You just sort of lean on what whatever's working in the moment. So, how do you get him out of that mindset and get him well, back? Whatever, to- it's not working in the moment right now. So maybe trust what the offensive yeah. coach is teaching you from technique standpoint, and it may be out of your comfort zone. But start trying to do that because what you're doing right now is not working as well as it should. The problem, I mean, just speaking for Paris, having no idea how Paris feels about this, but maybe what if his concern is that I don't want to get Josh Dobbs murdered back there because I'm doing technique, but I haven't yet, I'm not comfortable enough with to, to feel, you know, to be able to pull it off consistently. So I'm just leaning on, let me grab this guy and get flagged or whatever. And what are the stats that you read? So the thing he's doing now is actually working. The not great. Josh Dobbs killed. 
I got you. All right, fair enough. I'm just trying to play devil. Yeah. Devil, devil's advocate. Yep. Yeah, now you make good points. All right. Yeah, I uh I get it. I, I can't push back too much on the on the C. He he started off strong and he he struggled a little bit, but I'm, I'm A minus is, is a hopeful A minus. Let me put it that oh way. Oh my god. All right. Next up, drafted 10th overall. And this is a guy we talked a lot about a year ago this time because he was uh shooting up the old draft boards there because he had a strong season for Tennessee, played right tackle there. Had moved over from left tackle where he struggled the year before, but he he sort of made his bones last year there. He plays right tackle for the Bears, Darnell Wright. And um, we talked about him a few weeks ago. I liked him a little more than you did, and it it feels like the, the tables have turned again. I gave him a C plus. The technique, and this is what you talked about a few weeks ago, hasn't quite caught up with the player. and But you gave him a B. So Darnell Wright, why is he moving up in your mind? And why is he – you don't know why he's moving down in my mind, but I think he's – he hasn't plateaued, but he hasn't made the progress I've wanted to see yet. Well, I gave him an A as a run blocker. Yeah. An a C and pass pro. So I'm assuming that's where you took the A and C and divided it up to come up with my B. B combined. Yes. But yeah. A, he's been the tone setter up front. He is physical. He is strong. He tries to finish dudes off. Uh, he can move well enough to position when he has to hook on outside run plays. He caves the inside down on down blocks. He is a physical presence up front in the run game. Everything that we thought we saw when he came out of Tennessee, when he's struggling, he is very much struggling in my uh, opinion. So, and I know you respect my opinion in pass protection because I don't like his feet. I don't like his technique. Once he gets out of position, if he doesn't win early in the down and get his hands on the rusher, then he doesn't have the foot quickness to recover. He's lunging. He's overextending. Instead of trying to use his feet to recover, gets out of position. If they get him on either side of his edges, the inside or outside of the edges, he struggles to regain positioning and uh, the finish and pass protection. That I agree with 100%. I think you're right. Paris, as I mentioned, had two sacks. Uh, Darnell's given up six. I went back and watched uh, watched those as well. Look, man, he got beat by Max Crosby. That happens. Got beat by Montez Sweat. That happens. Zach Allen, the defensive, the, beat him as a three technique, beat him inside with hand movement. And Chris Jones beat him. And to your point, he was getting, he was a little too waist bendy. Like he was getting out over his skis. And Chris Jones, that's not going to work with Chris Jones. No. And look, those are against pro bowlers. I get it, but those are the guys you're facing every week too. So you got to figure it out. But I take your point. He's getting there halfway, you know, almost two months through the season. You're like him as a run blocker. Yeah. Do you feel better about him as a pass blocker or Paris? They can put them both in a bag, shake them up and pull each one. (laughs) one Fair enough. All right. Let's go to a guy that uh, I may be the only person on the planet that still thinks he should have gotten a shot at tackle. Didn't matter. He's actually doing pretty good at guard. Uh, Peter Skaronsky drafted 11th overall out of Northwestern place for the Titans. Uh, he was a lot of fun to watch. Then he had it early on in the season, week one, maybe week two. And then he had the appendectomy and he only he just came back recently. He looked to be less the player that he, he was before he got hurt. So maybe that's injury related. And I have hopes he gets back to that form, but he was, he was getting after it before the injury or the appendectomy and had to have the, the emergency surgery there. So I gave him a B you gave him an A. The only reason I gave him a B again, I'm docking him for not being hundred percent healthy all the time. So that's, 
<laughs> that's my, those are rules. I don't go, I'm not veering off those rules, Rick, but I enjoyed watching him play. Yeah. Well, change your rules. <laughs> so well, I gave him an A because in that New Orleans game, he was physically dominating as a guard. And the transition from left tackle to guard was a non-issue for him. Yeah. And I saw him have a couple of pancake blocks in that game. He was very solid in pass pro. I really, really, out of all the offensive linemen, when you grade the flashes, and especially in that opener, he was A, almost if I knew I could game an A plus that game, I would have, but it was still can. No, I can't because it's not laid out in the directions that Debo gets <laughs> because he's very wishy-washy on directions. And you take advantage of Debo's lack of discipline on how we're supposed to grade these guys. Can you give Debo a break? It, Philly's just lost. <laughs> hey, can I mention quickly in that Saints game, another player flash for the Saints that I, I'm excited to talk about I haven't watched closely yet? Go ahead. Mr. Brzee. Ah, yes. Mr. Brian Brzee. So that was fun to see a couple flashes from him. So we'll talk about him next week, but I want to get it on there because I, I didn't love the way he played last year. He had a bunch of reasons why. So I'm, I'm good. I'm happy to see him playing, playing flashing as well. So anyway, continue with Peter. So when he came back, he hasn't been as dominant. And a lot of that, when you, they open your stomach up or whatever, they <laughs> get rid of his appendectomy or whatever. You're a doctor. Tell us how it works. <laughs> so actually you cut him wide open from the, neck all the way down to the groin to go in there and get that apodectomy. It takes some time to recover. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I would have done the surgery. Uh, right. His career would have been over. Yeah. <laughs> but I think as he gains his strength back, um, that he will get back to what we saw in the uh, New Orleans game. I guess I know we're not making comparisons here, but the guard that he reminded me of was Zach Martin. Uh, oh, Dallas. I think that's high praise. That's think he's going to be that good a player at guard. Oh man. Yeah. He was spun before he had the appendectomy there. And I, I mentioned, um, Paris was giving up pressures at 7.8%. Peter's at 1.9%. He's, so, yeah, he's a good he's player in a different position, but still he's, he's been fun to watch and hopefully he gets back to full health soon. All right, let's go to my guy, Broderick Jones, left tackle for the Steelers. They traded up to get him at 14th overall third tackle taken off the board and he's only started one game. That was the Ravens game because Dan Moore was, was out that game. And we talked about him in the preseason and he looked a little um, like he needed to get a little stronger in pass protection. I thought he held his own in this game. I was pretty impressed with the way he played. I gave him a, a B just on that one start. Is he better than Peter Skaronsky? No, uh, he hasn't played as much. They play different positions, but I gave him the similar grade just because of the, the lack of reps, but I was happy with the way he played. You gave him, a B dash. Well, it's a dash because I couldn't quite get the cursor over there to try to make that a red. <laughs> so what did you want to say, Dash Spielman? Uh, he, the Houston game that I watched he played in, he was a little bit of a fish out of water. Yeah. And a lot of times when a rookie comes in, especially the first time they're going to get significant play time, they revert back to what they did in college because that's their comfort zone. And you know, he was all over the place technically in the run game, although the effort was energy was there that I like to see. And he was really out of sorts in pass protection, just trying to use his athleticism instead of the technique. Then the next game in which he started, to me, it was a night and day player. You seen, okay, I got one game under my belt. I'm sure the coaches corrected him during that week. 
And he was playing with a lot more discipline with his technique, a lot more under control, looked more patient, still was aggressive and tried to finish people in the run game a lot better in pass protection. So I saw a significant jump from the Houston game to the next game was uh, Ravens, the Ravens. And they have a pretty good defense. They got one of the top defenses in the league right now. And I think if he continues to start, he's just going to get better with time. But I don't know if he's going to continue to start or not, which is bizarre to me because he should be playing. I was going to ask you that. So they beat the Rams last week. Dan Moore returned from injury. Steelers fans were wondering what was going on there. And I was going to ask you, so if you have your first-round pick who appears to have his feet wet enough to understand what's expected of him and to be able to do it at a relatively high level, and you have the fourth-rounder who's a veteran in year three, or year four, whatever year Dan Moore is in, you're willing to roll with Broderick? Well, the coaches are usually going to go with who they trust the most. And that's their comfort zone, that they know know who's going to be able to adjust to pass protections, even though he may may not be as talented. But the nature of coaches that I've always been around is they're going to go with a veteran that knows what to do. (laughs) Right. They're conservative by nature, typically coaches are. Yes. Yeah. I will say one of the plays that stuck out to me wasn't Broderick Jones blocking anyone in that Ravens game. They ran an end around to George Pickens uh, to the right and left tackle Broderick Jones. If you weren't paying attention and you looked up, you would have thought he was running an over route as a tight end. He was 40 yards down the field running what looked like a 4-7-5 leading the charge. And that you appreciate the hustle. And you talked about how he played with, with high energy in the previous game when he struggled. But that gets your attention when you see someone moving like that in space with that sort of athleticism who is only going to get better. And that, that play, more than anything else, stuck out to me. Oh, that's good. You're very observant. And I appreciate you pointing out that play because that is something the average evaluator would not have noticed. <laughs> but with your expertise and your film study that you brought out a play that would indicate what type of athlete this offensive tackle actually is. Would you call me an evaluator plus or an evaluator minus? I, we can't use plus or minus. <laughs> I, I didn't say it in Debo's instructions. A, B, C. I looking at I'm looking at the email right here. I think you keep forgetting that I have 82 days. That's all I'm saying. All right, last on the list, but not last in terms of how he's done so far this season. Anton Anton Harrison, excuse me, at Oklahoma, 27th overall, OT four, went to the Jaguars, playing right tackle. And, and playing at a pretty high level. You gave him a B, I gave him a B plus. I think he keeps getting better. Look, he struggled against Chris Jones again, but I said that throughout the course of this conversation about whoever's matched up against Chris Jones. That's going to happen. If you're a, a right tackle, you prefer him to be playing inside, so you don't have to worry about it. But he played a little five, a little seven technique a little bit against the Jaguars. Um, other than that, I, I thought he showed improvement. I think one of the concerns we had with him coming out was his strength to the point. He looks like he's he's playing pretty strong, both in the run and in the pass. So I I, I like Anton. Like I said, B plus from me, B from you. Yep. And like Paris Johnson, he was a left tackle that moved over to the right side. And I think he has taken a step further along in his development than Paris Johnson has at this point. I've been a little surprised at how effective he's been run blocking. There's no question about the athleticism. You can see how he moves in space. He still has a little high pad level at times, but he's finishing in the run game. And he, all these tackles, rookies are going to struggle in pass protection. 
But if I had to pick between him and Paris Johnson, I would say that he's been more consistent in pass protection than what Paris Johnson has shown to this date. Okay. No, that's fair enough. And this isn't a, a final grade on any of these players. It's just what, we're, what we've seen through the first week and a, a month and a half, two months. So I think it's a good start. And <laughs> thanks, bud. I appreciate the uh, words of encouragement. I was talking to the to the listeners and, and viewers <laughs> just about where these players are, and if the players are listening, I don't want them to think that we're down on them. Oh, okay. We're, we're high on all of them. Rick may not be. Puka Nakua, Rick does not like everyone else. I think <laughs> Rick is okay with. I think Rick likes everyone else. Uh, by the way, Debo, Rick is willing to put Marvin Harrison Jr. into the Hall of Fame without playing an NFL snap. But Puka Nakua, he has made it quite clear, is not yet a Hall of Famer. So imagine that, Rick. Yeah, well, that's that's life. That is life. All right, next week, yeah, I said we're, we're going to be talking about the NFL, uh, excuse me, the defensive rookies next Thursday. I mentioned Brian Brzee, which I'm extremely excited to, to watch now that I saw him flash a little bit. Any guys flashed as you were looking at these offense, offensive players that you're excited to talk about, or you want to keep that close to the best? I'll keep it here, but it's pretty pretty evident that I'm going to be pretty high on Will Anderson. I'm going to be pretty high on Jalen Carter as much as I want to be negative on him just for Debo's purposes. But and Debo, I will not use an A plus or minus system. I will stick directly to what I was instructed to do. Well, he hasn't sent out the email yet. He could change the, the instructions. Although I'm guessing now he will definitely double down and not change the instructions. <laughs> just play within the rules that are given to us, Ryan. That's all I'm asking. All right. That's fair enough. All right, Debo, do you want any parting words at Rick before we get out of here? Or are you are you done? No, I'm ready to end this thing. <laughs> Devo sitting in a dark room, head in hands, trying to get over the Phillies loss, and Rick just keeps ribbing him about this grading system. Rick, I want you to go take a walk with your dogs and think about what you've done to Devo today, and then we'll we'll reconvene next week. Uh, oh, by the way, quickly, I mentioned this to Debo, and I'll just mention it to you. It'll be in an email formally, but I suggested for next Tuesday – if things work out, we'll watch Michael Pratt out of Tulane, the quarterback, and maybe we'll circle back to Jaden Daniels. Um, they're off this week, but they play Alabama next week, so yeah. a week from week from Saturday. So that's going to be. Are you going to be at that game? That no. I'll okay. Back in the uh, studios, but that game will determine who will go against Georgia in the uh, SEC championship. So we haven't talked Jaden Daniels yet in, in great detail. So I want to preview that because he's had two good games leading up to, to this week. I'm not counting the Army game last week. And we'll go in on him, hopefully. And then we'll talk about Michael Pratt, another quarterback we haven't talked about, who's going to start getting some buzz, and we need to get on that train. I'm, just tell me what train to jump on, and I'm a team player. And I will get my <laughs> honest assessment of what I see. All right, Debo. Honesty is in store. Rick promises that. All right, that's it. That's an episode. Uh, that's a wrap for episode 92. Thanks, as always, to my guy Rick. And thanks to Debo and these sad times for him. Hopefully the Eagles can win, win a Super Bowl for him. Uh, thanks, to all guys. Uh, thanks to all you who watch and listen and comment. We appreciate you. We'll be back here next Tuesday for a little pop or drop action and a Will Levis throw review. Have a great weekend. We'll see you guys then.